Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Today, I'm speaking to you about the temptations of leadership. In the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, a woman named Hannah was without children and seemed unable to bear children for her husband. In an age when a woman's value was assessed in terms of her capacity to bear children, Hannah was a nobody and mocked and humiliated because of her inability to bear children. She made her annual pilgrimage to the house of God at Shiloh and made her prayers heard before God. Her prayers were so intense that the priest Eli thought that she was drunk. In time, God heard Hannah's prayer and she bore a son. She named him Samuel, which means God hears me. And she dedicated her son to serve his life in the cult at Shiloh as an altar boy. The story is framed in the context of a broader narrative to lay out the demise both of the religious institution and the nation as a whole as a failure of leadership and it sets out to determine whether that failure was because of the type of institutions of leadership they developed or more profoundly it was because of the lack of moral commitment on the part of the leaders themselves. <clears throat> Our text is part of a broader frame to locate that this issue in terms of the character and the conduct and the tone and the example set by leadership. The narrative about Hannah and about her son Samuel is very much in that idiom to assert that Samuel is a type of charismatic leader born in the existential struggles of life and who is marked out by his openness and sensitivity to the mind of God, the God who hears is best served by leadership that listens. The account we are reading makes self-evident some of the temptations to which leadership often yields and by so doing jettisons the prospects for the institutions and for the future of the nation itself. The brief account is a bit of a caricature of leadership. Here is the account of what leadership does and what it looks like and the tone it sets when it yields to the temptations that traps leadership in the cycle that leads to its undoing and the undoing of the institutions and the collapse of the nation. Now, it was the practice of the priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant 
would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand whilst the meat is being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't, he won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over, no. No, hand it over now. If you don't, I will take it by force. The story is to be read as a dramatic parable of what the distortion of leadership looks like. A man with a three-teeth fork desperately snatching at the best piece of the meat before it is cooked or before anyone else can get it. The context of the text of Hannah's prayer, her son Samuel, whom she had given to serve in the temple of the Lord at Shiloh under the watch of Eli the priest. She echoes the deep prayer and passion of the people for more just and more godly environment. The writer then turns to what was wrong with the leadership of the day, so that Samuel was the opening of a break in the cycle of that type of leadership. What was it? that he was a departure from? What is it that Samuel would set out to change? The text therefore is useful not only, not merely to tell us what happened then, but in so doing to tell us the mm -hmm. temptations that leadership faces and the things therefore that leadership ought to avoid. If as leader, one desires not to bring the ruin on itself that Shiloh represented when the glory departed and what remained of it was nothing but the shell. The narrative provides the account of two types of conducts that typified the failed leadership of the sons of Eli, which was the leadership without a future and was moribund. One was its exploitation of women who came to the shrine, what it did to them and with them in the precincts of the shrine at Shiloh. That deserves some attention, but it is the other thing the leaders did mm. that attracts me. The grotesque scene it painted of the three teeth fork in the servant's hand. Leadership is depicted in a grotesque form, ugly and getting in the way, greedy and beastly. The sequel of the story is the collapse of the shrine at Shiloh. The first temptation of leadership is the temptation to become self-indulgent. It is to make the focus and the goal and the objective of leadership, the person of the leader, the image, the ego, the needs, the greed, 
of the leader himself or themselves. This is what we have here, of which the three teeth fork is emblematic. This is how the devil used to be depicted. The three teeth fork is an efficient tool of extraction. It is plunged into the pot or the cauldron while the meat is still being cooked, before the meal is ready to be eaten, because it is portraying leadership that is not only efficiently self-serving, but is also eager, without blushing, and with nothing and will not let nothing delay it or inhibit its greed. It is unembarrassed and is badly disguised. It sends the servant, but we know that the hand is the hand of Esau, though the voice is the voice of Jacob. It is self-indulgent because it has reduced the entire purpose of religion to a feeding frenzy. Nothing else matters but getting its snout in the trough or its treaty fork in the cauldron with the meat. This is what has become of the miracle and blessing for sale religion with evangelists acquiring jets. Years later, Jesus is to analyze the crowd. You follow me, he said, not because you saw the sign, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for what endures to eternal life. When we become self-indulgent, leadership becomes a belly first exercise indeed this was the first temptation if satan could have trapped jesus in the licky licky cycle it would have been game over leadership that has not learned to postpone gratification that is self-serving does not have far to go it will not serve out its term it will be trapped its belly will be its downfall. Self-indulgent is about appetite for goods, for the praise of men, for wealth or creature comforts, for sex, for power in order to dominate others. The leader must be clear in mind. This is not about the person of the leader his image, his ego, his retirement package. Leadership has many ways to be tempted. The fringe benefits, the props of office, the rewards of office, the idea of unaccountability that you are where the buck stops, the flattery of hangers-on and sycophants, all temp leaders to believe that it is about themselves. You are the be-all and the end-all, but it is a trick, it is a trap, do not yield to it. The second temptation of leadership is to forget or to ignore or to reduce the transcendent purpose. The use of the three teeth fork to take out the meat out of the pot while it is still being cooked and all of this is being done at the religious shrine. It is being done to and in the presence of the people who have come to the shrine in order to offer their gifts to the Lord. 
It is being done with the sacred things that were offered to the Lord as sacrifice. The priest that was a part of the apparatus of sacredness is the one abusing his office and feeding his face with the people's sacrifice. It is he who is there to inspect and to assure the punctiliousness of the people in these religious affairs. He is the one breaking the rules and serving himself at the expense of the scrupulous adherence to the regulations. Why is the leader doing this? It is because he has lost sight of the transcendent purpose. There is an account further on of what the sons of Eli did to the women who came to the to offer their sacrifice. What the Deuteronomist regards with utter horror is that they laid with women beside the altar at the very sacred place of worship and sacrifice. That is where they indulge themselves. When you lose sight of what it is really about, of the real purpose and the real meaning, when you can see nothing else than your ambition and your plans and your goals and your desires, then you treat sacred things with contempt to reduce them to the common and the unclean. This is what leadership looks like when it loses sight of the transcendent purpose. There is nothing sacred. There is nowhere that is holy. It is anything goes. It is every man for himself and the devil takes the hindmost. Are there still sacred things in this country? Are there still sacred spaces? And are there still honorable and holy people about whom we may say, like David said of Saul, we cannot touch the Lord's anointed? I think that this is something to be cultivated now. Now that religion has joined the fray and the rat race and everything is about tactic and strategy and unholy alliances, we need to return to the things in itself to the notion of inherent value. We need to restore among our people a sense of the sacred, the example of the loss of the sanctity of life, about the murdered grandmother and her grandchildren, the slaughter of our children and of our women, the rape and the sacrilege against sanctuaries and holy places. It has become like a virus. We need to come back to a place of transcendent purpose for our movement and our spaces and our leadership. But when leaders themselves lose the sense of transcendent purpose, it is not long before they themselves lose their transcendent value. We must find the time to retreat and contemplate and refocus so that we will always be governed by our sense of transcendent purpose. The third temptation of leadership, of which this parable of the three teeth fork is emblematic, is that leadership is tempted to forget the centrality of the people to the project of leadership. Leadership is of the people. Leadership is for the sake of the people. And leadership is on behalf of the people. It is easy to lose sight of this 
and to make leadership to be for itself alone or at the expense of the people. Leadership is responsible to make a way and to point the way for the people and to set the tone and create the framework so that the people may flourish. This is the story is the very opposite. Here is it that the people have come to the shrine because of their faith. They have come to make their sacrifice to God in whose name the priests receive the offering they are making. But like a fane and like a beast, those acting on behalf of the priests swoop down on them and take their offering and sacrifice for themselves in order to feed their faces. In this way, the sensibilities of the people are offended. The tone is set for the people to become cynical and the moral authority and the meaning of what they are doing in bringing their offering to the shrine is undermined. People are dominated and brushed aside and their gifts taken away. Soon the people stopped coming to Shiloh and the shrine was abandoned. Too often, we forget that the people are what it is about. When we indulge ourselves, when we lose sight of the transcendent purpose, and when we exploit the vulnerabilities and pour contempt on the sensibilities of the people, we jettison the project of moral leadership. All we are left with is brute and boorishness and the ruined project of institutions and of the nation. The book of Samuel is devoted to the project of leadership and to tell the story of the different and better approach to leadership. The succeeding stories that follow in the book are about tender heartedness and gentleness as the hallmark of true leadership. It shows the superiority of those that are committed to a project greater than and other than themselves, who hear the voice of God and are listening to the cries of the people. It portrays the leadership as shepherd, caring for and nurturing and deepening the sensibilities of the people. This is the leadership that gives the future to the people and for whom the institutions and the nations have a viability and a longevity. This is a time to select at every level leaders that are selfless. It is a time to support leaders that seek to serve the transcendent purpose and to choose and seek leaders for whom the people are paramount and are central. Mm. Let us reject those that are self-serving. Let us reject those who forget the transcendent purpose. Let us forget, reject those who seek only to use, to exploit, and to dominate the people. Amen.